Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, the show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. Alright, hello everyone, and we are back with another episode, episode 31. I am very lucky to have Dave Sloan and Frank Wettenkamp, is that right? Correct. Very good. Gentlemen, thank you guys so much for being here. This should be a fun episode on my first attempt doing two interviews at once, but you guys are going to, you guys are very knowledgeable about the same topic. So I'm excited to get it started. So I always love to, sh- to get the show rolling by getting a little bit of background on who you are and what you do. So I suppose we will start with Frank. Frank, who are you? What do you do, man? Uh, yeah. So I am the co-owner of Living Craft Design Build. We are a small construction company in the front range. Um, you know, we really concentrate on how do we make spaces that are healthy, um, high performing, and we also kind of concentrate on the low carbon solutions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk more about that when we talk about, you know, what makes a house green and all that. But um, I'm also the uh, current president of the Colorado Green Building Guild. And, um, you know, as a, as a contractor, you, know, you only can build so many things, um, especially if you're not trying to get into, you know, larger developments or anything. Um, and so we get really involved and that's kind of what brought me to the Green Building Guild um, to be able to increase our scope, um, be able to have a larger impact and also just to learn and share ideas and just kind of, you know, try to elevate the industry generally. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we do. Very cool. Well, Dave, thank you for connecting me with Frank. I'm looking forward to this podcast and uh, who are you and how'd you got to be doing what you're doing today? Yeah, Dave Sloan. I am a Class B contractor in the city of Boulder, Boulder County. Uh, we do residential and commercial work, mostly focus on uh, the custom residential remodels and um, some new builds as well. I'm a carpenter turned contractor, so I used to be a master carpenter, not so much anymore. Uh, my wife is my partner with the business. She's a water resources engineer, and you know we're we're both recyclers and good tree huggers and. Uh, um, as former president of the Green Building Guild, it's it's good to surround yourself with like-minded folks in the industry because, as Frank said, that's how you're going to have an impact. And working in the city of Boulder, um, there's a lot of movement towards uh, progressive thought processes when considering sustainability in the industry because it's a really wasteful industry, and so. Um, that's what drew me to the Green Building Guild and uh, to coordinate with good people like Frank. Yeah, cool. And yeah, again, thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. I've got a lot to learn when it comes to this space. So I figure we can kind of just have a nice conversation. So uh, either or, I'm just curious, one of you guys can get it started. What what exactly is the Colorado Green Building Guild? And if I'm correct, it used to be the, the Boulder Green Building Guild. Is that right? That's right. Uh, and I'll let Frank uh, take that one if- the current president. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, Dave, you might have more history here, but um, the Colorado Green Building Guild used to be the Boulder Green Building Guild, used to be really active um, for a while there. And then it kind of, I think a lot of people were putting a lot of energy into it and there weren't people that kind of to take up the reins after them. So energy kind of fell off. Um, And then uh, there was a resurgence a few years ago, Scott Rodwin kind of took the reins and built it back up, recruited Dave to help him out and, you know, got the board more active, brought in a lot of really, really talented people um, who are really engaged. And since then it's only grown. Um, 
And so the guild itself, we offer a lot of networking as well as just like educational type events. Um, and that's mainly what we offer. And um, really it's a, it's a member-based community. Um, so whether you're an individual, a business, or you wanna be a sponsor, um, really it's just about kind of how do we continue to push uh, the building industry forward in terms of like sustainability. Um, and there's lots of different ways to do it. And we're just trying to be a resource really um, so that we can share ideas and like have an actual community surrounding this. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, Dave, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. That's it. You nailed it. Very good. So the main reason to join is kind of a sense of community and this ability to kind of be educated about the most current green building practices. Is that kind of the idea? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what exactly makes a building green? Because I, I have these these three words that kind of float around my mind all the time. There's sustainable, there's regenerative, and then there's green. So what, what would make a building green in your mind? Oh, I think that you nailed it with those three. Uh, but really, it does start with the design. And so you, you want to have a quality architect to spearhead that process. And and then as a builder, really, we're just good at doing what we're told and, uh, and then knowing how to do it the right way the first time. And that's, that's one of the best ways to be green is to have quality construction uh, so that you're not being wasteful and taking things apart because they weren't done correctly the first time. But you really have to lean hard on the architects to, to begin that process. And, and there are so many different ways that a building can be green and, and sustainably designed from your, you know, uh, your indoor air quality one, that's one of the biggest issues that we see these days because we're making homes a lot tighter and energy efficient. And so you have to have uh, clean air coming into the home so that you have quality circulation. And then the products that you're using, you want them to be you know, formaldehyde free and then a lot of it has to do with if you can take it to the next level, what's the carbon footprint of the products you're using? Some of them are really high performing, but are initially fairly toxic to the environment. Um, so there are a variety of ways, but uh, again, getting it back to the architects in the beginning and um, yeah, and, and getting them motivated. And then of course, uh, the builders on board with it. Interesting. What, what do you find are the main features that, that customers or consumers focus on when they're trying to greenify their home? What comes to mind? Frank? Frank, <laughs> take it away. Well, um, yeah, it, it's so- Or do they ask so you? Depends. They're like, you tell me, how do I do it? Well, yeah, and it kind of gets back to like what makes a building green, right? Um, and it so depends who you ask or mm -hmm. like- and it's all, it's all relative, right? Green compared yeah. to what? Um, right. And so, you know, the greenest home is the one that's not built at all, right? Um, <laughs> sure. Or like the greenest Least resources the used. Yeah, or the greenest <laughs> home is the one that's already standing, you know? Um, the biggest carbon footprint you're going to find is in the foundation and the framing and like the roofing. <clears throat> so if you can okay. keep those items, then like you're already starting off with a, a lower impact Um you know, if you can build smaller, you know, like, and then, yeah, it gets into, I mean, there's so many elements to it. It gets into materials choices, 
Um, it gets into citing, gets into like, how can you design passively so you have less inputs? And then, you know, designing around like your, like what Dave was talking about, it's like your embodied energy of materials you're putting into building versus the operational energy. So you kind of want to be able to like, how can I reduce my impact up front, but then also keep my operational costs really low? Um, but when it comes to clients specifically, again, it kind of depends. Like people say like, hey, I want green things, but um, it depends on how well educated they are, you know, about, about what they've read, um, what they've seen. And, you know, most people want the sexy things, you know, yeah. um, and Dave can probably talk to that too. But um, I think... I don't know. I don't really even really know necessarily what the biggest trends are right now, but in our area, it tends to be solar panels. So you're going all electric. Um, you know, how do I, uh, there's definitely at least a somewhat resurgence of utilizing passive solar so you can get some free heat and get some nice warmth from, from the sun. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, how do we reduce operational costs? So I want an efficient heating and cooling system. Um, I want nice windows, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then worrying about the envelope. I mean, the, the greenest things you can do is like the, to have a good building, you start with the envelope. It's sort of really what it comes down to. The envelope, what does that mean? So when we talk about like floor, walls, roof. Um, so okay, yeah. insulation, air sealing, keeping water out, um, and then, you know, keeping it healthy. So high R values, tight air system, and then, yeah, bringing in fresh air, like Dave said. But um, yeah, it's such a large conversation. Dave, what trends have you seen? What do people want when they ask for green stuff? Uh, City of Boulder, uh, we get some, you know, a, a lot of clients that are concerned about that indoor air quality. You know, they yeah. want, like you said, the solar because we have multiple homes that are going all electric. Uh, in, having gas in a home is an indoor quality issue and uh, indoor air quality issue. And so then once you go all electric, then you have to go solar else your utility bill is going to skyrocket. And, and that's, that's the biggest thing that we see right now, as far as what clients are asking for when they're considering a green home. Uh, some do nerd out on the materials and, and want, to, uh, want to explore, you know, things like Frank said that really, are put into the envelope to make it long lasting. And that's one of the issues in America is that we don't always build for, you know, that hundred to 200 year home where yeah. some European countries they do. And it would be nice for us to think that way, but we see so much turnover in the industry where people are tearing out kitchens that are, you know, 20 or 30 years old, just because the, the fads have changed. But I'm not going to point the finger because then I would be out of business. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Fair enough. So I remember you and I, Dave, talked a few weeks ago about how the city has been putting in these regulations and incentivizing people to, to adopt these more and more green practices. Can you tell me a little bit about what the city of Boulder is doing? Because obviously the Green Builders Guild started in Boulder and then we're going to get into how we can kind of spread this to the rest of the country. But there's stuff with like green points in Boulder. There's way they're trying to get people to do it. Yeah, the Green Points program was a, a great starting point for City of Boulder. Uh, then we've moved on to your energy rating scores as far as a HERS rating where you're taking you know, various paths as far as keeping the, the overall energy usage of a home 
low. And so Bold, City of Boulder, Boulder County, both do that. Um, I'm, I'm not a Denver contractor. I believe Frank might be able to talk more about that. But I know that Denver is following suit, and, and as are many other cities and jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. uh, but then City of Boulder, one thing they've uh, done, which is fantastic, is once you are uh, deconstructing 50% uh, or more of uh, building, then you have to divert a certain amount of that from the landfill, which is fantastic. And uh, we have a project, a single family residence. It was a 1961, 1200 square foot ranch in Boulder that per city of Boulder, we needed to divert 65% of the home from the landfill. And uh, now you have to do 75%, but our deconstruction contractor uh, Anna Perks of Perks Deconstruction, she diverted 85% of the home from the landfill. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's fantastic. That's a great first step is mm -hmm. uh, re reuse what you can and recycle what you can. Uh, we're not using any of the materials on the home that's being built, but, you know, I think the trusses are part of a barn up in Netherland now, which is awesome. Oh, I see. So, so when you say divert, where do those materials go that's not in the landfill? Right. Yeah, so the, you know, the brick can get cleaned up, and as long as you're not taking an excavator and demoing the home, then those bricks can be reused. And uh, all of the studs you can't reuse for structural in a residence, but you can reuse them for non-structural and other means. And there's a push uh, in that regard, too, as far as reused building materials. We have you know, what used to be Resource 2000, here in Boulder and man that's a fantastic place to get um, materials and I mean they they love it when we pull in with a cabinet pack from a 1.2 million dollar home <laughs> it's all these cherry cabinets and, and that's good it, it needs to have multiple lives the materials yeah so, so the city now requires if you're demoing more than 50 percent of the home that 75 percent of those materials be diverted is that right yeah. So I guess I'll turn it to Frank and just as an opinion point, do, do you think it's necessary for the government to come in with these types of laws or is it kind of, is there, is there a trend of people wanting to reuse materials or do you think, yeah, do you think it's necessary to have laws like this in order to get action on something like this? Well, you know, I mean, it sounds kind of basic and silly, but that old saying reduce, reuse, recycle, right. Mm -hmm. In that order. Um, still applies, makes a lot of sense, right? And I mean, the reuse market is actually really big right now, especially for DIYers. Um, you know, barnwood went, you know, got real expensive, you know, old kind of crappy wood that looks really nice, you know. Um, but uh, I think generally when you just think about building codes, why were they put in place? They're mostly put in place for safety. Um, you know, we're just trying, it's kind of like a speed limit. It's like, any law, really. It's like, we're trying to just make sure that everyone's doing the bare minimum to make sure that everyone's safe. And, you know, you could argue <clears throat> that over time, a lot of these things are going over the top in terms of safety or not. Um, but regardless, I think energy is one of those ones where it doesn't really seem to be private sector driven. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think the free market is really going to care about environmentalism or the climate, just because like, if anything, that usually hurts your bottom line. I mean, unless you're using it to be very specifically targeting clients that really want that, um, the general market's not gonna do it. So how do you get a housing development that's building thousands of homes 
to do something that is going to hurt the planet a little less, you know? Um, I think the only way you can do that is with regulation or incentivization, you know, it could be mm-hmm. carrot or stick. I don't really know what the solution is, but I think we, we kind of need, I mean, every, every municipality these days can adopt the energy code and there are different levels of energy code. You know, um, some municipalities are still working off the 2012, um, city of Boulder has a 2020 energy code, you know, so they're always updating, um, and adjusting and all that. So, I think it's necessary. Um, you, we could argue over how they sh- it should be written and you can advocate for that, you know, and that's something that I think we're gonna be getting more into as time goes on within the guild is a little bit more advocacy in that realm and helping, you know, we're, we definitely have a tight relationship with both the city and county of Boulder and they're very receptive to feedback and we bring them on for discussions and, you know, brown bag events that we have. Um, to have a little bit of a back and forth channel because, um, and that's part of actually how the 2020 code got changed is because they got so much feedback, but it's important for us to have these conversations um, because yeah, you can always talk about what should or shouldn't be in the code, but I feel like there should always be one. Yeah, I think that's very well put, man. And I appreciate it. Um, So I'm curious, because it seems like Boulder is this hub for for environmentalism and green practices. And we and then I knock on people's doors and they're like, oh, climate change realty. That's so cool. But how can we effectively spread this way of thinking um, to other places? I know David said you do some business in Denver. So Boulder has these these laws. And yeah, I'm just curious, how can we get other places to adopt them? I, I love the idea of leading by example. But like you said, I think like the market is carrot and stick. So how can we how can we get this going, man? Or either of you can answer that, I suppose. Sure. I, I think that I think that it is a combination of the carrot and the stick. And I mean, Denver has a mandate for green roofs and solar for buildings over 25,000 square feet. Is, is that accurate, Frank? Do you know? Yeah, I can't remember the exact square footage, but there is a mandate. It either has to be a green roof or solar panels or a combination of the two. Over Interesting. A amount of square footage. And that was actually started by a fry cook from Red Robin. <laughs> really? Yeah, and the, and, the, and the voters passed it as a mandate. It's not even an, an incentive. And so that was brought on by the people just because someone took an idea and ran with it. And, and you know, I, I love seeing that type of grassroots movement because that's, that's how the real change does come about is when you have buy-in. And, and I would say that that's been sort of the, the most impressive thing I've seen as far as my involvement with the Green Building Guild is there are so many like-minded folks in the industry that are pushing in this direction. And it's, what's funny is like taking care of the environment is the biggest movement that the world has ever seen. It's just occurring with tons of small organizations like this and like yours. And Paul Hawken wrote a book called Blessed Unrest years ago that talks about that, you know, the biggest movement in human history and why no one saw it coming. And, mm. and that's because of what we're doing right now and having these conversations. And so I, it gives me hope. I think that the front range in Colorado has all, you know, we're not California, but we're holding our own. Definitely. And you were the previous president of the Green Builders Guild, right, Dave? Yeah, I took over from Scott Rodland, who's a local architect and builder in Boulder, who's just a phenomenal, uh, 
you know, bannerman cheerleader in the industry for uh -huh. green practices. And, uh, and yeah, I had the pleasure of, of serving for two years as Prez and now Frank, um, I'm past Prez, he's current Prez. And then Lauren Folkerts of HMH Architecture is president-elect for 2022. And really cool. it's a robust uh, group and the membership of the guild is fantastic. We had an event yesterday on, on uh, hempcrete and Frank can definitely tell you a lot more about that. And what do we have, Frank? It was like almost 150 attendees. Let's talk. Let's talk about that for a little bit. I, I love everything that comes from hemp. So let's let's talk about hempcrete. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So hempcrete is kind of like another. It, it's kind of considered more on like the natural building um, mm -hmm. world. Um, but it's kind of becoming a little more mainstream now when it relates to people studying um, carbon sequestering solutions in building. Very cool. Um, and I can talk about, I'll try to explain that real quick, but go for it. The basics of hempcrete is you take the core of the plant, you crush it down until it's these little wood chips, you coat it in a lime based binder, and then you usually pack it into forms to create a wall system. And so that's basically your insulation. It's usually surrounding some sort of structural framing. And then you can put cladding or stucco on the outside, you know, usually a plaster of some sort on the inside. The idea behind these, what we're kind of calling, you know, carbon or climate solutions in building is if you can use materials that sequester carbon during their lifetime, like a plant, any plant-based material, um, that could include cellulose, that could include wood fiberboard, straw bale, whatever, and even just like wood framing and wood siding, things like that. So these plants, is assuming that you're uh, growing them sustainably, that they're fast growing, especially annual cramp, uh, uh, plants like hemp, you know, um, you're, they're sequestering a bunch of carbon and then you're storing that in your building. So until your building gets demolished at some point, maybe it's not reused, maybe it just goes to landfill or whatever, um, you're storing that carbon. So we're, we're creating something that can, in theory, we're creating like a carbon sink, right? We're plugging the drain, we're storing all that carbon. And so in theory, when you build that building, you could make something that's actually carbon negative. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as your agric agricultural practices are decent, um, then you can do that. And so that's actually, when it comes to green building, that's kind of the new, maybe not the new, but like definitely the most, um, kind of weeding edge conversations that are happening now. Cause we're already, we've already been doing net zero for a while, you know, we know how to get there. Um, yeah. So now it's just like, how do we get there with materials that are more carbon sequestering? And I think too, like Dave was kind of talking about how indoor air quality is really important for people. I think health is really starting to become a little a lot more apparent to people, especially with coronavirus. And the and fires so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, indoor air quality is really important. And I think when you start using more natural materials that just happen to be non-toxic, then you just so happen to get some of this carbon sequestering. You just so happen to get something that gives you a better indoor air quality. So it's kind of these compounding things. And those are the conversations that we've been having within the guild. And it's been really yeah. fun. There's so many people who bring so many different perspectives on it. And uh, yeah, yesterday was a really good event. Was it uh, 150 people on Zoom? Yeah, I think we use GoToMeeting, but um, that's really cool. Yeah, it was a digital event. We're trying to get back in person this year, if possible. Aren't we all outdoor events, but you know, we'll see. 
Cool. I mean, I'd love to come by one of them. Can can either of you tell me about a standout moment from a past Green Build Guilding event? Green Build Guild event? Green <laughs> Building Guild event that really give, give you a feel for what the community is like, if anything, if you guys have either of you have a memory that pops up when I say that. Yeah, I, I mean, the what was it, Frank? We had a few great panel discussions in 2019 with the city and the county. Um, and then, but that one with Will Strubar, man, he really kind of stole the show. Uh, but I think Frank has a better memory of, of that one. And that one was about, what was that one about, Frank? It was the carbon footprint and stuff. Yeah, it was about the embodied energy. Um, Right. Yeah, because we always talk about operational energy, right? Going to net zero, basically being that the you know the the amount of energy that it takes to operate your building should be offset by solar panels or just reducing your your needs, you know, your input, so mm -hmm. that you're operating, you're producing more energy than you're consuming. You know, that's net zero. Um, but the embodied energy again, it's like how much energy did it take? to make that building um, and how can you even potentially make it negative so that's storing carbon. Um, so that, that was a really good conversation. And Dave, that's the one that sticks out for me too. I think because we had such a huge response from it and yeah. even hearing people after the fact, like engineers reaching out being like, you know, like Jesse talked about like, oh, all these people in my office were like thinking like, well, how could we engineer this to be more carbon sequestering? And that was really, Awesome, just because I never really thought engineers would really care that much about it for some reason. And to see them being excited about it was really invigorating. And I think that for me, that was a big point because it just showed like how a little bit of education goes a long way and can really spark a lot of like interest and movement on these things. So as long as we can kind of keep bringing these topics to the forefront, I think, you know, we don't have to be even the leaders. We just have to like, make sure the conversations are being had. Yeah. yeah, That's awesome. Uh, guys, tell me about the, the annual awards. It's, it's like usually a ceremony, I take it, right? Yeah, we have awards for uh, members and non-members recognizing those that are, that are, you know, being good stewards and, yeah. uh, and pioneers in the industry. Uh, and then the other, so we have our brown bag events, which are basically a holdover from the lunch and learns where you bring your own brown bag lunch. Uh, and like Frank said, we'll get back to in-person uh, once we're able to. And then the big event we have annually is the Boulder Green Home Tour, where we mm -hmm. actually have you know, hundreds of folks uh, take tours of local homes that um, in some way, shape or form are green homes. And you have the, the full gamut of examples out there from, you know, the really high end, beautifully done modern home that's engaging geothermal and solar and all sorts of cool stuff to, uh, you know, just a small almost cabin up in the foothills where the folks are, man, they're living it for real. And, and yeah. really, uh, you know, building it like a ship. And have you ever have you guys seen the earth ships how those are made yeah uh, again frank is the brains of this operation so he can tell you more about that stuff yeah frank, um go ahead well earthship is um 
yeah, that was kind of developed in the Southwest. Um, and the, the idea, I think Earthship is technically kind of like a, a trademark almost, but um, the ideas are really important. And I think, you know, a good designer is going to incorporate all these passive strategies. You know, a lot of the idea about Earthship is you're using passive systems and you're reusing a lot. Um, it kind of ties into more of the permaculture principles, if you're familiar with that, you know, like, where is the waste? How do we turn it into uh, something that's productive? You know, how do we reuse things? Um, so, you know, a, a Earthship might reuse their water three, four or five times. Um, they yeah. grow food, you know, they're using the sun. Um, they're trying to create as little input. They also use, they reuse a lot of stuff, yeah. <clears throat> sometimes a little to an extreme. Um, Got it. They use like tires, right? Like, like rubber tires, tires and aluminum cans and all sorts of stuff. Um, but the whether or not you like that specifically, I think the the strategies are really are really smart. Um, and they're not anything new, really either. I mean, they're old strategies. They're just being used in a more um, um, up to date conventional way. And and smart designers these days are doing that even in you know modern conventional homes. You don't have to have something that looks like an Earthship to be able to utilize passive solar or like right. capture rainwater. Or, you know, I mean, we had a brown bag on that. That was really interesting. Water reuse. Um, but you yeah. know, again, but it takes sometimes it takes people like like the Earthship people to like really push those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they did a really good job of marketing too, just kind of you know getting in front of people so that at least it sparks interest. And and it is interesting. I don't know about you, Dave, but so many people say something about like an Earthship, or they'll say like, oh, I just want to like build this really natural building or something like this, and you're just like man, I thought you were so basic and here you are telling me you want to build a straw bale house. I didn't know you knew that existed. Um, so <laughs> a straw <laughs> bale house? More, there seem, well, yeah, we get into that, but there seems to be a lot more <laughs> interest for this type of thing in the general public than you normally think, especially with social media these days when you see yeah. these beautiful cabins in the woods, you know, cabin porn. Um, for sure. <laughs> so people 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 love their houses man i mean you spend so much time in it especially during covid i think that that's a good transition to I'm, i just wanted to ask you i probably dave i'm not sure how long you, either you have been involved in this this space but i'm curious how it has evolved over time or we now seem to be reaching this peak where where these ideas are, are top of mind with people now right right yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I mean, we have clients that worked at the Rocky Mountain Institute that, you know, they're, they're pushing the limit with their home and, and really being very thoughtful. And it's, it's awesome to see that. Uh, we, and again, I, I like being told what to do as far as a contractor. We're not design build at, at Sloan Construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do love working with architects and clients that, that, you know, the client was driving that discussion. So like Frank said, there are a lot more folks out there than that you think. And I mean, again, like the, the whole green roof thing in Denver started by a fry cook. I love that. Yeah. Really cool. Do you guys think that one person changing their home can really make much of a difference? I mean, I already have my answer because obviously as more and more people do it, um, you know, it becomes more and more popular, but I just figured I would throw that out there and see. Uh, I'm, I'm a gardener. I think that you plant a seed and you water it and that's what that is. You know, we, we're in this together and you can make a difference. And again, with what we're doing right now with this conversation, it's going to trickle out and to so many other conversations and yeah, that's pretty righteous. 
It is indeed. So I guess kind of getting towards the end here, what are some small things that you think people can do on their own to make their home greener? Because so this is being recorded February 19th and last weekend. Um, so my air conditioning unit is like still in the window. I didn't take it away. And I, just, I kept I wake, wake up in the morning and it's like 58 degrees in my apartment. And I'm like, oh, so I'm mean, just figuring what, what kind of ways can we be more efficient with our homes, guys? <laughs> well, I, you know, my wife being a water engineer, I always go to that first. You know, water usage is a great thing. And, and our hand is already forced in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think that that's, you know, your, your consumption. Just be aware of it. You know, if you're brushing your teeth, don't leave the water on. You know, be, be thoughtful. And, and then that trickles into so many other ways that you can just, as Frank said before, what is it? reuse, reduce, reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh, it's really easy. Um, Frank, your thoughts? There is one good resource. Um, <clears throat> it's called Reenergize Colorado, and they will come do an energy audit of your house. Um, and so they'll take some infrared photos. They might even do a blower door test. They'll check like all sorts of things. And a lot of that comes down to your envelope. You know, if you can just kind of tighten up your envelope a little bit um you can find the like weak points they'll find the weak points in the building and then you can develop a strategy for what to do with that um you know beyond the beyond your daily inputs it's kind of like how can you update your home in a basic way you know it might just come down to like put some more insulation in your ceiling and air seal your light fixtures you know something like that um if you ever do that you know there's going to be a contractor that comes out and they're going to want to sell you a bunch of stuff you don't have to go with that contractor. You can always just take that report, go to a contractor or a designer you like, <clears throat> talk about different strategies and where to put your money, you know, um, your best bang for your buck. But that's a really good resource and um, there are rebates for it as well. So I definitely recommend that. Very cool. Yeah, I guess so the last question for the most part, uh, what, what role do you guys think realtors like myself or people who are selling the homes have to play in creating th this greener economy? Absolutely. No, y'all are... Uh a huge part of this industry. And um, we have traditionally had an agent on the, the guild board because we want to keep uh, a connection there because it's a tremendous service that y'all provide to the community. And, and you're like, you're before the architect, you're before the builder. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I take real estate agents to lunch because I know where my bread's buttered. <laughs> <And> <laughs> And Thanks so, for coming on the podcast. <laughs> and so uh, I think that your opportunity of making a difference is huge because of how many people you connect with. And if you're educated on just that basic thing that Frank said, as far as re-energize Colorado, man, can you imagine how many people you could uh, influence by just having that information and if other agents have that information and it's not just re-energize Colorado, there are tons of energy raters out there that can help you. And then, yeah, of course, you know, there are, there are a few bad apples that spoil a bunch out there as far as contractors go. So, you know, just, just be savvy and, and aware and make sure that you're not going to get taken advantage of by someone. And so just listen to your intuition, but, um, but yeah, I, I applaud the efforts of the real estate uh, folks out there getting it done for us. Yeah. yeah and, um, and just to add to Dave's comments, um, you know, there are a lot of 
home inspectors, you know, so pretty much every time, you know, you might recommend an inspector to a client when they're buying a house. Um, a lot of inspectors also do energy audits. So that's always something that realtors could offer as like an upgrade being like, Hey, we could do the regular inspection. Also, if you want to get like a quick energy audit, we can kind of see like, maybe there's some things you might want to do before you move in, you know, basic insulation or air ceiling, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Cause a lot of those people, they overlap. Um, yep. So that's another option too. I think that's a really good, um, good way to kind of, I mean, it'll help educate you too before you buy the house, just to kind of know like how much, you know, how much can I do right away? Yeah. Scott, Scott home inspection is, uh, mm -hmm. they're fantastic. And like Frank said, they do that. And when we were talking about memorable moments, I would say when uh, George Scott has got home inspection, did a brown bag, every architect and builder in the room was writing down about this graph of energy scores <laughs> that he had up there because it's so important to us because that is the threshold that we have to work with in city of Boulder, Boulder County is about your ERI or your HERS rating. Yeah. Really cool. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. How would you recommend someone who's kind of interested in this space or wants to get involved with the guild should send them to the website or are there any like videos they can watch? Frank? Uh, yeah, you. just go to the website. If you want to uh, become a member, um, there are student memberships, uh, individuals, nonprofits, businesses, you know, different, lots of different levels, levels of sponsorship. Um, right now we're offering events to both members and non-members. So I would say uh -huh. just sign up for the next event, come check it out, see if you like it. And then maybe you decide you want to become a member and get involved. Um, you know, again, so much of it, it comes down to networking too. So like, you know, it's been great to meet you. I really appreciate you having us, you know, no us the word. Um, but yeah, that, that'd be the way to go about it. Check us out. Uh, it's uh, CGBG.org. Yeah, CGBG.org. CGBG.org. All right. And then real quick, guys, just if anyone wants to work with either of you, how can they get in touch with Living Craft or Sloan Construction before we go? Uh, just look us up. Um, and we're in Boulder, right across the parking lot from Black Belly. So when you're stopping by to get a breakfast burrito or a delicious lunch, uh, you can check us out. And yeah, and then Frank, you're based out of? Uh, well, our shop and office is in Arvada, but you know, we're Denver Boulder um, based, but yeah, Google Living Craft, it's livingcraft.design. Um, mm -hmm. Easy to find us on the web. Yeah, and then both of your guys' websites will be uh, right in the beginning of the podcast when I do my little introduction, so people will have seen it already. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. I, I had a great time. I definitely would like to get more involved with the Green Building Guild because I have a lot to learn, as you can tell, in this space. But it's really been a, an honor having you guys, and it was fun to have two people to kind of see how that would go. Uh, so you guys have been really, really educational, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. That was great. Yeah, thanks for having us, Ethan. No worries. All you, right, Dave. everyone. Sorry? Good to see you, Dave. Yeah, good to see you, Dave, as well. <laughs> All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll be back next Thursday. Take it easy. Thanks so much for listening to Changing the Climate, a podcast hosted by Climate Change Realty, the most innovative real estate corporation ever conceptualized. Visit ccrboulder.com today.